Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. We are continuing with part two of Regaining Your Edge. As we said, this is just a two-part series. Um, It's not necessarily the theme for the month, but it's just a word that we wanted to share with us so that we can finish strong in this wonderful and great year of 20. 22. Amen. You don't know that song. Or ben ben ngayazo di shukin ben ben tandi melodi akon iwe lela iwe lela iwe le iwe le iwe ah ngayazo zalo ane how oh ben tandi ben tandi melodi per ngayazo guti shukin let's go to the verse where the song comes from Second Kings chapter number six. Second Kings chapter number six from verse number one. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, see now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. The place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Verse number two, please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Verse three, then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as as one was cutting down a tree, as one was cutting down a tree, as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there and he made the iron float. Verse 7, therefore he said, pick it up for yourself. Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you may speak to us, Lord, that you may challenge us. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen and amen. We said last week, God gives each and every one of us what we call that divine edge of life, that divine edge of life. And also, most importantly, you and I are like those axes in the hands of God that God always wants to keep sharp so that he can do what he wants to do in and through us. And we said that edge, Bazalwane, is that added advantage, that thing that God puts on you that will make us stronger or more likely to succeed than others who do not have whatever it is that God has placed or has given us. Are we here, Bazalwan? Uh, and, and that edge can also be defined as that quality or factor which gives us superiority over close rivals. It is that intense, sharp, or striking quality. We said that edge can be the spirit of excellence that God puts upon you. That 
so that in everything and anything that you do, you are just going to do it excellently. We said it can also be diligence. Ugukutala. It can be grit. And it can also be effectiveness. That's when you have this sharp edge that God decides to give to you. And it is because God wants us to have cutting edge lives, cutting edge marriages, cutting edge families, cutting edge businesses, careers, uh, cutting edge uh, ministries. You know, God gives us that edge even in our finances so that we can be effective in everything that we are doing so that we can be uh, successful. Now, when God has given us that sharp edge, Basalone, it is our, you know, responsibility to use those um, sharp edges that God has given us and also to make sure that we keep them sharp so that we resharpen them because using and constantly sharpening uh, those God-given edges is a display or it is a sign of wisdom in our lives. It will show that we are, we are wise as God's people. And it also encourages us not to neglect whatever it is, that special endowment that God has given to you. It is our responsibility to make sure that we are not, number one, going to neglect it. We are not just going to take it for granted because take note, it is God who decides through his infinite wisdom to give you this edge. Some other people out there do not have the same edge that you have. They are not as sharp as you are in whatever area where you are sharp. Are you here, Bazalwan? So that's why you will see in life that there are certain things that other people will do with ease. But there are other people that, you know, when they do something, uh, <laughs> we have to think first. Many of us, we love, uh, you know, to have certain gifts, but unfortunately, God decided not to give them to us. I wish I can sing. That's one of my things, you know. Uh, if, if there's one thing that I... I, from time to time, say to God, ah, Madam Voet, ah, you know, it is my desire to sing. That's why I love music. I love music. I listen to music, you know, all the time. I, um, um, I don't know if you are aware of this thing that was trending now uh, from iTunes or from um, Spotify, where it gives you, <laughs> where, <laughs> where it just gives you the, 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 the stats of how many uh, minutes uh, have you spent listening to music. And I clocked, I think, 50, 53,000 or so, you know. Um, is it minutes or, yeah, minutes you're of listening to music. So I will listen to music all the time. I listen to any genre, uh, you know, from jazz uh, 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 up to your dance hall type of thing, you know, as long as it's good music. I'm not limited to to a one type of genre. Uh, uh, I listen as long as it's just good and clean music. One thing I will not listen to is hip-hop that is full of vulgar or whatever the case may be, you know, because when we listen to music, we open up our hearts to receive whatever that is being said. And many of us, we behave the way that we do is because of the kind of music we consume. He. <laughs> You are what you listen to. You are what you are watching. Amen. But there are other people when I'm watching, you know, people sing. There are other people that when they sing, they make this thing so easy. Why? It is because God has given them that, you know, sharp edge in, in, in their gifting in such a way that for them, it's almost like there's no effort that they are putting in as they are singing. I mean, for me, you know, B.B. Winans is one of those people that when you watch, and even Bishop Marvin Winans, that when they sing, it's almost like they're just opening their mouths, you know, and they are just going to sing and it's just going to flow out of them. Amen. It is simply because, and many of us, even though we can sing, but there's, you know, even much more effort that we need to, uh, uh, and, and like some of us, we first need to think. You, you know what I mean? But, but once you discover that there is something that when you do, you do it with ease. 
and other people admire you for doing what you are doing and the way that you are doing it. And most importantly, you are producing results. You are producing results. Make sure that you are not going to ignore it. You are not going to neglect it. You are not going to just take it for granted and drag it through the mud, you know. Have you ever watched somebody uh, who is gifted and, and you see them in a place or in a situation where you, you admire their gift, you admire what they have, but when you look at the environment and the place that they expose themselves to, you realize that they are busy neglecting or wasting the gift or the talent or the ability that God has given them. And only to find that they themselves, they don't value it. They have it, they display it. But uh, no uh, I'm sorry to use this example. And, and you would be like, what a waste because they have this great gift with a sharp edge and yet they are neglecting it. They are wasting it. They are not allowing God to use it so that they can be promoted in their lives or to make them greater in their lives. Are we together? That's why also the second thing you, 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 we need to do, it is to make sure that we are going to constantly make use of that sharp edge. God encourages us that don't spare your, your gift. Don't spare that sharp edge that God has given it to you. It, you. it was given to you so that you can use it effectively, so that you can use it uh, uh, to advance your life, so that God can bring promotion in Piloniaco, so that God can bring a turnaround in your life through that particular gift that he has given you or that sharp edge, if I may put it like that. Are we here, Bazalon? The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 10 and verse 10, where we have even read last week, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must do what? He must use more strength. He must use more strength. But it says wisdom brings success. So in other words, if we choose not to use our God-given sharp edge in terms of our giftings, in terms of our callings, in terms of our ministry, in terms of our finances, in whatever area, if we are not going to use it, we will then uh, fall back to our own natural strength. We will now have to depend on our natural strength to produce results. And guess what? Once we do that, we are not going to prevail and we are not going to succeed. Because the Bible says in, in 1 Samuel 2 verse 9, For by strength no man shall prevail. For by strength no man shall prevail. As soon as you find yourself in a situation where you are now falling back to, you know, pushing harder. Because we were, you and I, we were never meant to, uh, to put it loosely, ufuguza. So, so that when you find yourself in a situation where something that God has gifted you in, that when you started with it, you were doing it with ease. The very same thing that when you started, you came and you said, I want to I wanna play drums. And, and there was, when you were playing drums, there was something that was exciting you. You know, you were always looking forward to it, but all of a sudden, you find yourself getting tired by the very same drums. When you are supposed to go for rehearsal, it takes a lot now. What has happened? You are no longer operating from that place of your edge. But you are now operating from your natural strength. And when you are operating from your natural strength, of course you are going to be tired. In other words, there is no longer even wisdom in functioning in that space. Are we here, Barcelona? And it can be also a business where God has graced you to function in business. And you were excited and you were a cutting-edge business person. But all of a sudden, this very thing now says, you no longer find joy in, in doing it. And God wants us to be wise in all of these things. And when we are applying the wisdom of God, what is going to happen? We are going to produce success. Why? Because it means God is busy through this wisdom that he gives us, sharpening this edge that he has given us he, as, as an axe in his hands. He is constantly sharpening us so that the more we operate in that space, the more effective we are going to be. Are we here? 
And that wisdom is found in the scriptures. I love it because the Bible says that he who lacks wisdom, let him ask from God. And guess what? God will always point us to his way because that is where his wisdom is stored. So in other words, when we study the Bible, we are not reading it just so that we can be informed, but we are also exposing ourselves to the wisdom of God so that we can apply it in our lives. And when we do so, we are going to begin to function from that place of wisdom so that we can produce success. Are we together? The message translation puts it this way. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10. It says, remember, the duller the X, the harder the work. Use your head, it says. The more brains, the less muscle. <laughs> Especially if those brains come from God. God is the source of pure wisdom. The Bible talks about the wisdom of God. It says it is the wisdom that is pure. The wisdom that is from above. In other words, this is the wisdom that no man can give. And once you start operating, and that's why I loved our theme a couple of months ago, living wisely. Because once you depend on the wisdom of God, God keeps on sharpening the eggs that you are in his hands. And in the gift or in the calling or in the assignment that he has given you, he just gives you that sharp edge so that you can be effective and successful in it, Barcelona. And But here is the deal about this sharp edge that God gives us. It's either you use it to construct or to build so that you can expand or you can lose it and shrink. Or it can even become dull and stop you from building and expanding your life and you find yourself at a place where you are going to shrink. So when you wisely use your edge, you will expand. You will grow. You will be promoted or elevated. Listen to what these guys are saying in 2 Kings chapter 6 from verse 1. They are saying, this place where we are, where we find ourselves at at the moment, it is too small for us. And many of us from time to time, you find yourself in a place where you realize the money that you have is too small for you. The income that you have is too small for you. The house that you have is too small for you. The, the car that you're driving maybe is too small for you, right? Many of us at some point, you want to drive a bigger car. You want to live in a bigger house. You want to receive a bigger salary. You want to. And they are saying this, this place is too small. And then they are realizing but that in order for us to come out of this small place, we need to have the axes so that we can fetch all the necessary resources that we need so that we can build something bigger. So that we can build something bigger. And not only are we just going to, uh, are we just going to uh, find ourselves where we are just, you know, uh, building for the sake of, of building. But what is it that we are going to do? We are just going to uh, use this axe, this sharp edge, uh, edged axe. Uh, uh, we are going to use it so that we can get the resources that we so much need. Are we here, Bazalan? And here's the deal. <laughs> I, I, I was saying Epinoni earlier on that we, we, we all crave for promotion, right? There's none of us sitting here who does not want to become better or whether you're working, you want to be promoted or get even a bigger salary. Is there anyone who does not want a, a salary, bigger salary next year? Is there no one who, you know, all of us, we, we want to advance in life. And, and because of that, here's the scripture that we, we always quote. We love this scripture. It is our place of refuge. Promotion does not come from the east nor from the west, but it comes from. And because of that scripture, we, we find comfort. We like, even if my boss does not want to promote me, Oksala promote. But you know that actually the, the, where your promotion comes from, it is more of a dangerous place than your boss. Why? Because God is the one who knows whether or not you deserve it. He is the one who has given you the sharp edge and he is the only one who knows whether you are using it effectively or not. As a matter of fact, he's the only one who knows whether you still have it or not. 
And if promotion comes from him, in other words, when I am stuck in one place, I must not blame my boss. I must blame myself and, and check whether or not am I effectively using the sharp edge that God has given to me. Because as soon as, as soon as you use it effectively, these guys are saying, this place where we are is too small. We need something bigger. But I love the fact that they are saying, we want to go and do something greater, build something bigger. And they take along with them sharp axes, axes with sharp edges. And they ask the prophet, they say, we don't want to go alone. Come with us so that we, you can be there as we are embarking on this journey, Bazalwan. Are we here? So, if you are going to misuse your edge or if you are going to lose it or if you are going to be careless with your sharp edge to a point where it is going to be dull and you are going to fall back to your strength, guess what you are doing? You are delaying your own promotion. You are delaying your own advancement. You are delaying your, your own progress in life. And no one else is supposed to be blamed for that. Because each time we desire expansion, we need to look back on what is it that God has deposited on the inside of you. What is it? What's the, what's the assignment that God has currently given to you? And ask yourself this question. Is it sharp enough? Is the edge that has been given to me sharp enough? Am I wielding the axe in a proper way? Amen. So we are not going to grow if we are not going to use. Uh, but here's the trick about it. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 5, the Bible says, but as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. In other words, this person lost their edge lost their ex. It fell inside the water. Are we here, Bazalan? But here's, here's the trick about it. It means using your edge, which is something good. By the way, we are supposed to use the edge, as I said earlier. So using your edge, meaning to fulfill the assignment that God has given you or the calling that God has given you, exposes you to the risk of losing your edge. It exposes you to the risk of losing it. What does that mean? It simply means, you know, the more I use my... So here are things. I can neglect my gift and not use it and pay the price. But also, as I use it, I need to realize that I'm also at the risk of losing. I am also at the risk of making it blunt, making it dull. Because as a matter of fact, it gets dull quicker as you use it. Of course, over time, it's, it's going to be dull, but the more you use it, the quicker it becomes dull. So in other words, in Bazo, it needs to be sharpened every now and then. Because the more you use it, the more you use it, the more it gets dull. What does that mean, Bazalwani? Many of us, we lose our edge at the altar of success. Because as you succeed, that's when you easily neglect your edge. Because success says to you, you have arrived. You can relax. Success says to you, you don't have to sharpen the edge anymore. You don't have to improve yourself anymore. You don't have to equip yourself anymore. How many of us have seen soccer stars when they arrived in the scene? We were all excited, cheering them on. We were all like, wow, what a gifted person. Why? Because this is a player 
with a sharp edge. When they get into the, in, in, into the field, you know, the Ushinji atmosphere, not just the ground in Naguma grandstands. Why? Because they have a gift with a sharp edge. But guess what? Many of them, many of them, they neglect it. They, don't, they no longer see because, you see, Lando Uyenza with ease, isn't it? So you no longer see the need to cultivate it further. Why? Because it's like your second nature. And how many of them, at some point, the edge of their skill became dull? As a force to Muntangene, he paid 90 minutes, Kungana Nixens again. The edge has become duller. And that's why, Barcelona, you have other soccer players, even though they have practiced time, they will go to the field and, and, and exercise and gym and practice all of these things. And yet in their houses, in the backyard, they will build another small field so that extra hours they can go and just cultivate their skills, sharpen their skill all the time. So that their edge will not become dull. So that the rest of the guys, if they are depending on the practice, he has that little extra. Because he realizes that there's something about my skill that has the edge that requires cultivation all the time. So I cannot afford I'm going to do the very same thing because there is a lot at stake. Because a person who is more successful That's why but once you are high up there, God has blessed you. A single thing that happens is going to be evident. Are we here, Zalan? So the more you use it, and the more successful you become, that's when you need to be on your toes to make sure that you don't misuse your edge, you don't mishandle the edge, to make sure that you discern when it's time to re-sharpen your edge. Futige interpretation is success blinds us because success in Ndoyoguti Oh no, right. Especially if you are the one-eyed king in the land of the blind. Because the one-eyed man, you know, is king in the land of the blind. Because so you all along, all along, you are under the impression that you are the best thing that has ever happened. God is busy working in other people's lives. And before you know it, so Simsilin. So that's why when you become more successful, that's when you need to be more attentive, more careful. That's when you need to even be more diligent for that matter. Because Laba, Abanganayo, Lendonai are working harder. And if they do that often enough, at some point they are going to overtake you. Because as they become more diligent, they are sharpening their edge. And when, if you stop being diligent, your axe or your edge is becoming more dull. So the more successful you are in whatever area, sometimes people, business, it's not because they're better all along. For a certain season, Google Goba right. And Makala Goba right, they let their gut down. They begin to relax. I'm sure doing the same thing. Some people start off very well. Start off very well. Even in our walk with God, many of us, we start off very well. You can see the signs of Masandak Sindhiswa. Oh, no, we are, we are sharp. Our edge is sharp. But at some point, Uzebati, Upexlaidil. Why? At some point, when we were successful in our walk with God, we relaxed. Not 
realizing that our edge is becoming dull by the day. The more you use it, the duller it becomes. The more you use it, it, it's getting dull. And today you can be impressed with it. That's why they always say, you are as good as your last performance. Because you can be great today. Remember when I was using it, it was sharp and I was impressed. I was like, wow, what a sharp knife. And uhambe, you begin to know how Next time, Maktiwak no mtrimbi, uz trine, uno mesop kai, uzubachelu anans, utai. Gnomunum bengu semens the last week, stemas pila la paloyam, wokumundu, a begela wabo, ekelinimi kwaba, fishimi kwabo, minawami bengitinja, wa, wa, wa. Can't you call you a goody when you were using it? It became dull. And you did not sharpen it to a Next week, after that big announcement, but I go land again, Ramam, Koyotat. Hari, no kuikolo ikon, umsan was a camp, was a camp, a perelelo, uyo tatangoba, noko, sell talk a manja young with Telesberkem senior. Would more figure to your surprise. To your surprise, if you don't believe me, ask Samson. The last time he checked, he had a sharp edge of strength and power. And when they said to him, the Philistines are here, he used to rise up and kill a lion and, and take out the bone of a donkey and kill the Philistines until he lost the edge. And when they, when they said, Samson, the Philistines are here, he woke up, thought he still has an edge. He tried to break the ropes, nothing happened. Because as far as he was concerned, he had a sharp edge. And that, that is what happens with many of us. Not when things are tough. When you are successful, what did Denzel Washington say to Will Smith after that uh, whole Oscar saga? said, you better watch it. At the height of your career, at the height of the success of your career, that's when the devil gets ready to attack. So once you become successful, don't relax. That's not the time to think that you have arrived. As long as Jesus has not returned, don't think you have arrived in as far as marriage is concerned. Don't think you have arrived in as far as your relationship with God is concerned because many of us, we get on pilot mode once we become successful. Little Nyana success. That's why I love this scripture. You know, when it comes to the issues of prosperity, Bazalan, I love the scripture, you know, where the Bible talks about Isaac when it says he sowed in the land. And it says he began to prosper, continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. What does that mean? Sometimes many of us at the beginning of our prosperity, we think that we are now very prosperous. We think we have arrived at the beginning of the prosperity. Many of us, affording to buy a car is not equal to wealth. You're not rich yet. You're not wealthy yet. Buying a house, you're not rich yet. Calm down. Relax. There are people who have money. <laughs> and especially more thing. Anyone will know, like, wow, some guys are taking to 600. How is 600? How is 600? How is 600? 12,000 per month. Nakona, it depends on the You'll be humbled the day you get fired. And be reminded that you did not have the 600,000. So chill. Chill. Just relax. You know, don't, don't think, don't let money. That's why the Bible says, if riches increase, do not set your heart on them. You know, make sure that you keep calm at the beginning of your success. Keep calm. Be more careful. Sharpen the edge. Because if it gets dull in your hands, even the very same thing that helped you to afford the installment can be taken away from you. So be careful. Don't be too cocky. Be humble. Going to Dubai with your spouse is not equal to good marriage. All what happened, you afforded a holiday. It does not make you a good husband. It does not make you a good wife. So chill. Chill. 
Maintain this thing. Keep quiet and maintain it. Keep quiet and work on it. Keep quiet and build it every day. Keep your guard. Don't let your guard down because you, once you get to that place where you think I have arrived. What made Satan fall from heaven? He got to a place where he thought he has arrived. He thought I've exhausted all the levels in as far as the glory of God is concerned. I've exhausted all the levels. He thought it does not get higher than this. That's why he looked at himself, he looked at God, he was like, ah, me and him, there's no difference. I will exalt myself, he says. I will, I, he, he thinks he has arrived. He thinks he has, can't you, God? He was like, wow, you're about to discover that you are far. Very far. In fact, revelations. They are excited. Oh wow, the demons are, 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 are listening to us, you know. And Jesus says to them, hey, I saw Satan fall. Just like Satan, Lucifer back then, he says he wants to take on God. God reminds him that, hey, chief, I created you. All right. He reminds him, I created you. I, I am the creator. I can't fight with my creation. Right? He casts him out of heaven. Lower to say, really, I can't, not me. Go, you not and and the here's the sad part. Why will once? out of all the places we care to go, So just chill. When when God has blessed you, and you 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 can see that hey. My edge is getting sharper by the day. Don't let your cut down. Don't let your cut down. So make sure as a child of God that you don't lose your edge. Protect it with everything you have. Make sure that everything that you know you are supposed to keep doing in your life, you don't stop doing it so that you can protect the edge that God has given you. You know, when the church in the book of Revelations lost their edge, which was their love for God, they were told to remember the first works because there are certain works that correspond to the sharpening of your edge. There are certain things that God gives to us, no matter how modern you can be as a Christian, no matter how woke you can be, he reminded them in the book of Revelations, and I love, and it does not mean things happened in that chronological order in the Bible, but I love the fact that from our perspective, as this is the last uh, 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 book of the Bible, even in the New Testament, in the epistles, right at the end of it all, he says, yeah, it says, last says, I'm in the land, but you've lost your first love, he says. The edge that I've given you, you used to demonstrate your commitment to me through your love. But then God says to them, it was the Lord Jesus speaking to, to the churches. He says, he says, go back to the first works. In other words, because we are at this level now. Go back to the first works. And how many of us, we, 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 we thrive through first works. And, and we get to a point where we feel like we are now promoted as Christians. We are now exempted from the first works. And I took some time to find out, God, what are these first works that the Bible talks about? And God took me right back to the book of Acts chapter number 242 where it all started. Where, where, where it all started. In the book of Acts, you say, yeah, the first works that the ordinary disciples who received the gospel for the first time, these are the things that they used to do. The Bible says they, they, they continued 
remember, I'm, I'm sure many of us, we, we miss this one. We, we feel like there is a season of being steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. But the Bible says about these ones, they continued in it. And not only in it, also in fellowship. Also in the breaking of bread. Also in prayer. So in other words, these are the elements that we need to make sure that in order for us to keep our edge sharp, especially as the children of God, we are going to continue in these things. The things that you are taught, who is teaching you? Well, who are the apostolic people that God has placed in your life? The people that you are supposed to learn from. Are you still continuing in their doctrine? Or are you, are you now a graduated Christian? You feel like you can teach yourself doctrine. You are now exempted from being taught. You're like, I'm so anointed. I know the scriptures verse by verse. Oh my goodness. It says, go back to the first works. Are you still praying as a Christian? Because many of us, we get to a point where we feel like, oh no, ah, I'm, I'm my, my gift, you know. I'm so gifted. It's, singing is just easy. We don't pray anymore. Some of us, we only pray when we need God to perform for us. Mangas good in your on your participator stage. That's the only time I pray. The Bible says they continued steadfastly. Steadfastly continued. To say no matter how great I can be, even if I can be ordained and become a pastor, I'm still going to maintain the first works in my life. Why am I doing that? I am maintaining my edge. I want it to remain as sharp as possible. Are we together, Bazalwan? Now, what are the possible things that can take away our edge? I'm closing. Number one, it is unhealthy familiarity. What is familiarity? It is relaxed friendliness. Inappropriate informality. When we become too much acquainted with people or things that we are supposed to honor and value to a point where we, we no longer see a need to hold those things in high esteem. We lose dishonor just like that. Or we lose honor just like that because we are now becoming too familiar. It is often said, Bazalwane, that familiarity breeds contempt. Once you become Familiar. Many of us must have found driver. But once you become too familiar, you can change the gears with your eyes closed. We violate traffic laws. Before we know it, accident. What caused it? Familiarity. Becoming too familiar. And there are two things that I want to leave with you this morning that we need to make sure that we don't become too familiar with. The first one, it is the word of God. It is the word of God. Where we just get to a point where we're just getting used to reading the Bible. And we look at it as an information book, you know, just for me to know verses that I can quote and bash others with them. But no longer honor, the, honor it as the word of God, that, as a tool that God uses to speak to me. Remember, the Bible says that the word of God is like, is sharper than any two-edged sword. So it is that edge that God gives to me to sharpen my life with it. But many of us, this word no longer cuts us through. It no longer convicts us because we are now used to it. As a matter of fact, we are so bold to quote these scriptures to others. Even when they are applicable to us. Our consciences has been so sneered. It's like a says or satin egg. To a point, have you ever met Umzalwane where they are having challenges and you are trying to give them counsel and you are using the word and they tell you, Ah, no, I know that, you know, you know don't, don't give me verses, I know verses. What, more, what else do you want? 
as a Christian, what else? The Bible says in the book of John chapter number one, yon kinto, yon kinto in life, everything that you need is in the word. Everything that you need is in the word of God. And many of us, we struggle in life because we feel like we are at a point where we are too woke for the verses. We are now at a point where we are like, no, you know what? Uh, you know, we, we need to understand the times we are, we, we are living in. There is no time, there is no season where the word of God is going to be irrelevant. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, Only the word of God will stand the test of time. So we need to get back to that point, Pastor Rani, where we are not going to become too familiar with the word. That when we are listening to messages, when we are reading the word of God, we are going to take it for what it is. It is the word of God. We are going to receive it as the oracles of God. When people are preaching, we are going, it is going to be like God is talking to us. The church today, Pastor Rani, we, 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 we are fascinated more by quotations. If it's said by Mahatma Gandhi, then in a sindonyan. If it's said by Nelson Mandela, but as soon as I say the Bible says, Christians, 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 they're like, nah. Instead, we want to argue, we want to debate, we want to show how irrelevant the Bible is today. But so let me tell you, the Bible, the this Bible, this Bible that you carry every day, this Bible that you have in your phone, it is the most powerful and the most popular book. As a matter of fact, there is no any other book under the sun that is even sold like the Bible, Basalwan. There is no any other book that is read as the Bible and we have this powerful tool in our hands that can make the Bible says these are the scriptures that are able to make us wise, to sharpen us. May we not become too familiar with the word of God. We need to understand the power that is locked in the word of God. The Bible says even God himself, he holds everything in its place through the power of his word, Basalwan. It is God who spoke his word and the, and, the, and the world was created. And we have this each and every day. Why don't we believe and take the word of God for what it is? When God says we must do something, why don't we as believers just choose to believe God and begin to do what the word says? The problem is that we have become too familiar. Many of us says we are quota not because it's quota. No weapon formed against us that shall prosper. If I can ask many of us, where's We argue. No, this is not for you know the New Testament believers. You are the very same person. There is no weapon formed against us. I was who to Old Testament. Isaiah 54, who Old Testament. But you're saying, no, must quote my scriptures. No, you know, that's in the Old Testament. It's not for the new. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You were confessing that Psalm 90, the car is protected by Psalm 91. And that is in the Old Testament. All of a sudden, once we say tithe, ah, oh, no, that's for the Old Testament. We are not for the new, you know. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We need to get back to that place where we are going to honor the word of God. We are going to love the word of God. We are just going to embrace the word of God. We are just going to allow the word of God to shape our thinking. When the Bible says, do not conform to the systems of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I renew my mind? By the word of God. By studying the scripture so that it can change the way that I think, the way that I look at life, the way that I, I interpret marriage, I interpret life, I interpret business it is supposed to be the word of God how do I sharpen my edge by just simply believing in the word of God but how do I lose the edge by becoming too familiar with the word too familiar with the word of God and the second thing that we need to avoid to become familiar with it is God ordained leaders that God has placed in our lives there are people, there are leaders that God is going to ordain. You know, the church or the type of a church that we are becoming is very lovely, very beautiful. But it has some subtle dangers with it. Because, you know, if you can notice, even as pastors, we are becoming more and more ordinary. 
And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's like if you don't know this church and you don't know the pastor and you're coming here for the first time and I'm not here preaching, you will not believe when they say, this is the pastor of this church. But the downside of it is that it is causing us to be too familiar with people that God has ordained in our lives that we are supposed to honor and to look at them. Listen to what these guys are saying. The place where we dwell is too small. Allow us to go to get the beams and build something bigger. But then they say, come with us. They talk to Elisha. We don't want to go without you. Elisha said to them, no, go. You see, the greatest wisdom that God can ever give to you, it is when somebody senior chooses rank, and you don't let them. I'm going to say it one more time. The greatest wisdom that God can ever give you is when somebody senior chooses just to reduce or adjust their rank for your sake and you don't let them. It's the greatest wisdom that God can ever give to you. What do I mean by that? The Bible says the lesser is blessed by the greater until you see that person is greater than you. You are not ready to receive anything from them. The Bible says, this was Jesus speaking. It says a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, own hometown. To put it loosely, in Jacob Msipa, I was born in Delmas. I lived and grew up 813 Villagas Street. People out there know me as Umfundis Msipa. Like people who got exposed to me, KZN, everywhere else, there's, there's no any other thing that they know about me except for Umfundis. That's America. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> they just know who Umfundis Msipa. At Delmas, Abandoning Ibazi, Jacopo, Ndwanagasiki, Ndwanagamsia, DJ, Degasela, Degaswenyes Kolweni, right? That's what they know. And Jesus was addressing exactly the same thing. The Bible says there were certain places where as anointed as he was, he couldn't do much in his own community. Because and then in the same context, then Jesus says, he who receives a righteous man in the name of the righteous man shall receive the righteous man's reward. And he who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive the prophet's reward. All of us are righteous. All of us. God has given us his righteousness. All of us are righteous. Not all of us are prophets. Not all of us are prophets. I was making an example earlier. I was saying, I, I know quite a number of senior leaders in my life. And one thing that I always guard against is to become too familiar with them. Even when they want me to. And I was making a, an example with one particular leader, senior leader that I know. That when I went to his church, wanted to go and preach. When he introduced me, he said, my friend. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and I knew a friend. It's simply because there's something that is on you that I don't want to become too familiar with. Because if I become too familiar with it, I can't receive from it. I don't want to receive you as a righteous man. I want to receive you as a prophet in my life because in the prophetic, there is a mantle that God has put on you that I can only tap into if I recognize it. 
And many of us in the church these days, we are so careless when it comes to that. We become too familiar. We become too familiar. We become too familiar. We become too familiar because we want to be a woke church and we, we have so much to say. We are debating, we are arguing, how we are, we are doing. I don't want to be one of those. I don't want to be one of those. Be woke if you want to, but I don't want to miss what God has for me because I chose to be too familiar with great people that God has put. I always say, even my own friends who are pastors, I don't address them by name. Pastor George is my friend. I always say to him, Pastor George. That's how I address him. Pastor George. Pastor George. Pastor George. And, and even if he goes, I oh, know, but you know, he doesn't know him. Pastor George. Why? One day I'm going to invite him to come and preach, as I always do. When he stands here, I don't want to see George. I want to see Pastor George. So that I can receive from what he carries. So that he can sharpen my edge with what he carries. But the church these days, oh, hey, it's getting too complicated for me. It's becoming too modern for me. It's becoming too, I don't want to get to that point where I will just, oh, my goodness. I know, I don't want to. I don't want to. So, we must watch over unhealthy familiarity. I'm not saying let us not be friends, let us not connect, but let us watch and make sure that we don't end up connecting in an unhealthy manner. Unhealthy for us because even when God wants to use that person next to you, man, you, you, you can't. Even here at church, you know, uh, when who Elder John, the fact that who Elder John means something. The fact that when, when, God called, when God called Moses one day, he says, get 70 elders. For those of us, God says, bring them and I will come, he says, and I will take of your spirit, he says. It does not say my spirit even. It says, Moses, I'll take your spirit, the spirit that I've put upon you, I'm going to put it upon them. What does that tell you? It means if you recognize the mantle that is on me, at least you need to see it even on those that I decided that I'm going to appoint them to call it with me. So if you are going to tiptoe around me and yet you gossip about Elder John, but you are violating the same mantle through somebody else. Because it's not about Jacob. It's about the pastor. It's not about Jacob. It's about the pastor. It's about the mantle. It's about me, I'm an ordinary person, Shem. But one thing that I know is that there is a reason why God calls, ordains, anoints, commissions. That's why even when Moses was about to die, God says, call Joshua. He says, and, 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 the, and the congregation and the elders, and says, take the authority that is on you and put it upon him so that people will listen to him when he speaks. What does that mean? Joshua, no matter how much you were serving with Moses, no matter how great you are, without the mantle on you, if you are leading, they are not going to listen. That's why at the end, after Moses is dead and God says, my servant is dead, Joshua, he says, take over. The guys at his announcements, they are saying, everyone who listens to you, we are going to be happy, but anyone who is not going to listen to you, we are going to kill them. What caused them to talk like that is the, is the thing on, on Joshua. To say now he is no longer this young boy who was running next to Moses. Now there is a rank that is on him. 
But as the church, we are now getting to a point where because we want to, we are desperate, we want to be woke, we want to attract numbers, we are dishonoring. And that is taking away our edge. Remember in the book of Acts, the sons of Siva are trying to cast out demons. We are Jehu in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. The demons, the Bible says, Paul we know, we recognize his rank. Jesus, of course we know him. But who are you? Why? Because they, were, they thought they can just simply, out as a formula, use this as a formula. You see, when Elijah said, where is the God of Elijah? It's because he had the mantle in his hand that he has just received when Elijah was taken away. It's not a formula. It's not a formula. He was around and then you're like, I'm, I'm going to, if the Lord, I don't know whether, but one day, I'm just going to teach or preach about sonship. Just, just to explain what that means. Because we are using this term loosely these days. I'm a son, a builder's church, I'm a daughter. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? I've been a son. All my ministry life, I've learned a thing or two, especially about honor. It was the person you regard as a God-ordained leader over your life. Let's stand on our feet. May we, as we conclude this year, make sure that we do so with a sharp edge. May you become the most dangerous Christian who is going to operate and function differently in this coming season. Let's lift up our hands. Just ask God to resharpen your edge. Give you your edge back in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, some of us, by reason of use, our sharp edge has become dull. Many of us, oh God, due to an unhealthy familiarity, tradition, ignorant hearts, stony hearts, we have lost our edge. But this morning we come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that by your spirit, oh God, you may show us where we lost it. That you may show us, O oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ, where the edge has become dull. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that we may no longer use strength. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. But that, O oh Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, through the sharp edge that you have given unto us, we may be able to build something bigger, something greater. In the name of Jesus Christ, that we may experience growth and expansion in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare, even in this place, that we shall finish strong. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, O oh God. We thank you that, O oh Father, our latter end shall greatly increase, O oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, we thank you. Mighty God, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, that our end shall be better than our beginning. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, O oh God. Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that even as we run this last mile of this year, that, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, you are giving us, O oh God, yet another sharp edge, O oh Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, we give you praise. We thank you. We honor you, O oh God. In the matchless and the glorious name of Jesus Christ.
I speak your blessing, O Father, over these, your children. May they be blessed, O God, going out, going back to their homes, to their workplaces. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. May they experience abundance, overflow, increase, and expansion in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we give you praise and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give Jesus a big hand of praise. Vasalan. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.